Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Welcome, I'm Dory Zori from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, and this is Cinnabuds. This week we're talking about the David Bowie music documentary, Moon Age Daydream. Ever since I was 16, I was determined to have the greatest adventure that only one person could ever have. And this week we are joined by two people in, at Cinebuds. This is three buddies talking about cinema. Aaron Wolf, 889's music director. Hey. And local artist Dwellifant. Hi. We all got a chance to see this movie, and I guess I want to start with hot takes, right? What What was your first reaction to seeing this documentary, Aaron? We'll start with you. Well, first of all, I was just amazed by how just over kind of overpowering or all-encompassing it was sensorially. Um, <laughs> you were taken by these rainbow flashing lights um, that were a little bit druggy and kind of hallucinatory. And also just, you know, the music really sucked you in right away and ramped up. Um, and you just felt like you were part taken away on a journey, like you're whisked away somewhere. Indeed, which I think was super intentional because David Bowie's musical career was anything but typical and formulaic. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that sums it up. It's For, the most Bowie-esque way to tell the story of experiencing David Bowie. Right, like being inside his head almost? Like, what do you think he was experiencing? Or just, I like, I got a, an idea from the lights and the sounds. Like, that's what it was like to be in his orbit as a fan, as a collaborator, maybe inside of his own head. Yeah, it was not like just a linear decade by decade. Here's how it, what he was going through. It was like, we're just going to let you experience him and... Yeah being in the audience and yeah, the colors, the lights, the talking overlapping live performance and random film clips coming in. And it, well, it's just, it's a lot, but it's a lot of wonderful. The first thing that caught me was there was no narrator, no third person telling the story. They, the people that put this movie together found so much Bowie footage that he was able to tell his own story in his own words clipped together from interviews, from press that he's done. It seemed like Bowie had his own diaries he might have recorded as well. And so, I mean, can you think of any other documentary where there wasn't a narrator moving the story around and it was the actual subject? That's pretty special. Yeah, mm -hmm. having the subject do it is an interesting one. And but if you're going to hear like full songs, they didn't play full songs either, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, Dwellifin, can you talk a little bit about the people that put this together? I sure can. Thank you for asking. There's a local connection there. Well, sort of. A local similarity. Um, but it was um, written and directed by Brett Morgan. And when I say written, I would say it was, you know, a lot of editing. Just tons of footage and still photography and tapes. But um, Brett Morgan has done similar style documentaries like The Kid Stays in the Picture about Robert Evans. Um the montage of heck. And if um, locally there are a lot of really talented um, film industry folks uh, who work for a place called September club and September club, I imagine this is what their situation is. They, you know, most recently did the last movie stars. Um, that's like Ethan Hawke's latest project about movie stars. I think um, they did the Jim and Andy documentary. They did the jawbreaker documentary. Oh, nice. But it seems to be this thing where you just get access to, 
existing footage and documentation and then you have to make and somehow they're, they're magicians. They make something award-winning out of it. And right. I think this is similar. Can you imagine, Aaron, going through hours and days of footage to put together the story? I would imagine you think you know what the story is, and then you listen and see all the footage, and then maybe it takes a different path. Yeah, I mean, I could imagine it just takes you down a rabbit hole, especially, you know, someone who's working on a David Bowie film clearly loves David Bowie. Um, but I can't imagine going through all the footage that Although they went would, through. Wouldn't it be amazing if they, if they didn't? didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be terrible. It's the most loving and beautiful tribute to David Bowie, and they've never yeah. listened to a song of his. <laughs> all right, so I have got a good question that I saw a lot of people asking each other on the internet. Did you have to be a super David Bowie fan to enjoy this documentary? Hold your answers for the full podcast, which you can get anywhere you listen to podcasts. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the Honor System. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. We're back. Cinnabuds. Today we are with two Cinnabuds, Aaron Wolf, music director from 88.9, and Dwellifant, a local artist. We are talking about Moon Age Daydream, the David Bowie flick. Aaron, do you think you have to be a super David Bowie fan to enjoy this film? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I am a, a fan of David Bowie, but I'm like not a super fan. I got into him a little bit in high school. Um, I know that's like sacrilegious or whatever, <laughs> but um, my folks were of the generation, you know, before, so I didn't really get into the glam rock stuff because my, my parents weren't uh, of that age. Um, and then all of a sudden I was just like, oh man, I, I think I love glam rock and I got into all things <laughs> Bowie and T-Rex. Um, but I think um, just a casual David Bowie fan or even if you dislike him, for whatever reason, would be like fascinated by this, <laughs> like <laughs> glimpse at this artist. Hate you watch know. it. Go and hate watch it. No, but it's it's like a really great take on humanity. I learned a lot about him as a person. Um, the fact that he's never owned a home, he travels incessantly, and is really indifferent to possessions. Um, I thought that was really interesting. He's super well traveled. Um, I also learned that he drinks a lot of milk. I had yeah, no idea was, there was a lot of milk in the shots. <laughs> that was fascinating. It was bizarre. I'm like, okay, David Bowie and milk. And then, you know, I realized like stuff about his family, like, um, kind of drove his, um, artistic trajectory. I think like he as a person seemed like he was kind of lonely and yeah. searching for, I don't know, an answer to, I don't know, loneliness or what had gone on in his youth. I guess his parents never really showed affection towards each other and he was kind of distanced from both of them. He also had a half brother um, who, yeah. you know, was very influential on him. He like taught him about Jack Kerouac and Miles Davis. And then what was his name? Like Terry. His name was Terry. Shout out to Terry for helping us have David Bowie. Yeah. Like, R.I.P. Terry. I know. I didn't know that Terry had existed. And I guess Terry was eventually hospitalized for schizophrenia. And David was a little 
worried or slightly consumed with the fact that he had similar qualities, um, which, you know, that kind of comes into play like the like last third of the film. And I thought that was really interesting because there's a lot of David Bowie questioning and then his paintings come into the picture. Oh my gosh, seeing all his art? Yeah, was so cool. Yeah, he's painting people that are in isolation primarily. Mm -hmm. So it kind of like gives us a little glimpse at what's going on in the mind of David Bowie. So you really got the humanity of the man Mm -hmm. and the artist out of this movie. I love that too. I think he even said in the beginning or somewhere halfway through the movie, you know, when he got to his phase in the 80s, he didn't need that attention anymore that he was seeking. And hearing all those stories from his own mouth and his own words on how he grew up really kind of put that in perspective as a fan that got to know Bowie in the eighties. Um, that totally makes sense. And he kind of changed directions and went more in the pop music vein. What did you get out of it? Dwellifant? I mean, is it, was it the art part that really caught you? Well, it was, it was everything Aaron said yes to all of that. I walked away from that and you know, there were a lot of things he would say where you'd look around and you'd see people nodding, talking about, you know, just being curious and being present and asking questions. And I think that's um, that is just part of being a creative person. So I think if you're an artist in any capacity, like a chef, a musician, a painter or whatever, and you see this, you're going to recognize a lot of shared mm-hmm. like you share a lot mm-hmm. with David Bowie. You and David Bowie are similar, except he went on to be like a iconic bazillionaire that everybody sings along to. Yeah. Um, but it, but it really was that it's just like if, um, and I say this too, as like someone, I'm a fan of David Bowie, but I've not, I don't, haven't devoured his catalog. I just think he's such an interesting person and you see him going through his phases, like as an, you know, the, uh, the process of creating something is way more interesting to me than whatever I create. Yeah. Once that, image is done. I'm ready to move on. Like I'm more interested in the next thing. And it, he seemed restless in that way. Um, talking about the loneliness thing, how he just seemed like a visitor who's passing through. And I, that's how I always growing up. Like you just didn't fit in if you were creative in any way. So like, you just feel that way. Like, Oh, this isn't my planet. I'm just visiting it. Yeah. That's where the, all yeah. the alien and foreign, um, imagery comes from in the beginning. There's like a Tom Waits line, one of his songs where he's like, um, the earth is not my home. I'm just passing through. And that's mm-hmm. how I felt like how David Bowie carried himself and even said he got made the most of every day. There was so many parts in this movie too, that gave me all the feels. And I think partially because it was just Bowie talking about himself and his own journey. So hearing something from his own, like mind at whatever mindset he was at, whether it was an interview from the seventies, eighties, nineties, but then they kept dipping into his last projects that he did before he passed away. And it just like reminded me, not that I would ever forget that everything that he did was so intentional and creating that final album as he knew he was going to die and releasing it near the end of his life. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. David Bowie passed away, (laughs) (laughs) but it's so true. Like he had such control and, and made it artistic even at the end by waiting to release his last album till he knew he probably wouldn't be around for most of it. Mm-hmm. So they kept showing little flashes of that. And it's just like, got me every single time. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, this, yeah. I know how this ends. But what a beautiful legacy of work he left us in between. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the one of the other things I um I kept losing it over was the the editing team included all of these different images at various points of like 
um, other famous works of art or famous clips from oh, other yeah. movies. So you kind of saw these were the movies and art that like helped shape him. Um, and there's a point where at the end they show a clip of this Salvador Dali film. Um, I think Buñuel did it. Uh, it's called like Un Chien Andalou. And there's mm-hmm. this nightmare scene in that movie I remember seeing um, in a film studies class. Like it's gross. Like I don't want to talk <laughs> about just nodding her head. It is. It but there's a, an eyeball. But yeah. Oh, yeah. The eyeball thing. And this is from like before there were digital effects. So they, they were, they did it in a fun, tricky way. It's not a real, but an hour prior in the movie, there's a scene where Bowie's looking in the mirror and he starts pulling his eye down and he has like a makeup brush and he's just going for it. And I, I was like, Oh my God, that reminds me of that movie. And then to see that clip show up later, it's like, is he alive? Like editing this with them? I don't know. It was just, there's a lot. If you went, go once, take it all in. I'd say go a second time and start looking for like those references now that you have it. Maybe go a third time for fun and like <laughs> fun yourself up for the colors <laughs> and the lights and the music. Yeah. Oh, so Moon Age Daydream, definitely worth seeing. Um, worth seeing in a theater, I think is kind of cool to see it on the big screen. Although, you know, there is a lot of quickly flashing images and the sound is muddled a lot. Um, the music is really loud and I think that's intentional. So if you're sensitive to that sort of thing, I guess maybe beware. And But if you're not and you're able to just sit there and experience it all, it is a lot. It's not like a regular documentary, but I definitely think it's worth a watch on a big screen if you can find it. Oh, absolutely. It's like I said, you know, it's all encompassing. Kind of you get thrown into the giant pool of David Bowie and you just float there for a while and take it all in. Mm-hmm. Mm, I like that. Was that. Perfect. Yeah, that he'd was like perfect, that image Aaron. too. <laughs> uh, so, um K Polly, Christopher Pollard will be back who? soon. I who? don't know who. I don't know. Milwaukee mm-hmm. that dude from Milwaukee film that's usually in here. I mean, okay. it took two of us to fill his shoes. I know. He has big <laughs> shoes. We hope you're having a great start to your new marriage and having a couple weeks off from Cinebuds, but he always asks the question at the end, um what are you watching? just to give the listeners a little extra something, something. So we'll start with you, Dwellifant. Um, Film or movies, what have you watched lately that you would like to just give a shout-out and a recommendation for our listeners, Dwellifant? Um, so a couple weeks ago, uh, I, when I guest made a guest appearance, I mentioned to Christopher how I don't see things uh, when they come out usually. Mm-hmm. In I, the theater? or Yeah, or in any format. Um, I just recently saw The Godfather and loved it. Greatest movie of all time, some say. I don't know. who. How can you rank? It's right. like ranking your children. Um, oh, people can do that. Ask any parent. But, <laughs> Ask my mom. She says I'm her favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a series on Paramount Plus um, starring Miles Teller and a bunch of other people um, that is based on The Godfather the producer of The Godfather's experience making the film. And it is worth watching because of how insane it was to get that thing made between like the studio maybe selling while they're trying to make it, um, all the various mob figures who have involvement in different capacities. Frank Sinatra plays a huge part in maybe ruining it. Yes, um, yes. And just and just the fact that like Al Pacino was a nobody – and they had to convince people, hey, put Al Pacino in this movie. I could not imagine the movie without Al Pacino. No. And the movie might not have even got made if it wasn't for um, 
Why can't I think of his name right now? Oh, Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. Oh, yeah. that is a great. Oh, and his reason for doing it too. I'm not going to ruin yeah, it. Yeah, let's not ruin it. This show is called The Offer. The Offer. And it's just fascinating how this movie was made mostly out of chaos and spite. Chaos <laughs> and spite. That sounds like Hollywood to me. Yeah. So watch The Godfather if you've never seen it or heard of it. Look it up. Watch it. And, and then, then watch, watch the series. Up. All right. Sounds good. Aaron Wolf, what have you been listening to or watching lately? <laughs> <laughs> well, is it okay if it's a series? Absolutely. I mean, I guess it's a little bit older because it started last year on Hulu, but i um, been watching Only Murders in the Building. <sighs> and it is like the type of dramedy that I love. It's it's a little bit serious, but is so like laugh out loud funny and kind of grotesque and inappropriate. And I just love, you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short teaming up. They're just lovely together. And yeah, you know, Steve Martin is Brazos. Um, oh. and, through and through. You know, an ex soap opera character. And it's just, it's brilliant. So I highly recommend if you haven't checked out Only Murders in the Building. Is, to, it, is, it, making, is it making you eat more dips at home? <laughs> more dips and spreads. Yeah, totally. It made me a huge fan of Selena Gomez. Oh, yeah. she's fantastic. In I there. would never have imagined that trio of people being in a show together. No. And somehow it works. I'm like, oh, I can picture them living on the same floor in an apartment and solving yeah. murders together. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Same yeah. same Millen, same. Like Selena Gomez was kind of like a pop star in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh whatever Selena Gomez, but she was she's wonderful in this. Mm-hmm. Respect. All right. Well dwell- yeah, what, are, what are you watching? Oh, you know. Uh, we just finished the She-Hulk series, which was super dope and awesome, especially the last episode. No spoilers here, but man, I would really love this series to continue. It's wonderful. And all things Star Wars is my jam. We're watching Andor. Uh, so good. So, you know, again, it's series. I, I'm a TV junkie, a film junkie. So, and, Well, we did. We watched Andor and then we watched Rogue One. Oh. Just to know what's coming. We just did that last night. But Andor's if you if you have kids who like Star Wars, Andor is not for them. No, there is no none of the characters you know and love are in it yet. Yeah, it's no uh, Mandalorian with Baby Grogu. It's like a thrilling heist series in outer space. There you go. Good recommendations. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody. If you made it to the end of this podcast, I'm Dory Zori. I would like to thank my co-host this week, Aaron Wolf, music director for 88.9 and local artist and hero, Dwellfent. Hero. <laughs> Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film will be back next time. I promise Cinebuds is produced by the one and only Nate Imig. Nate, 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 Nate. All right, just me? Okay. <laughs> and Cinnabon's theme song is by Milwaukee musician Brett Newski. We also get support from our members, both from Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And visit radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts. And finally... Follow at Cinnabuds Podcast on Instagram. That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. That's why movies have credits. You guys should just have credits play. Yeah, Nate is. I hope there's music rolling over the end of this here. <laughs> Who wants to hum? Who's the? Well, mu- what's who's a good? Singer? Oh yeah, which Bowie song would be our closing credit? Oh yeah, which Bowie song would be the? Cl- I mean, probably Lazarus, right? Yeah. Let's just keep it real. All right. Was that was that gonna bring it down? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The podcast. I would do is little over. drummer boy with 
Ben Crosby. (laughs) You would. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Look up here. I'm in heaven. I've got scars.